But if experience is located within the minds of living beings, living beings are in turn firmly located in our shared world, the world of rocks and trees and rivers and concrete and cars and other people. So what I am saying is not in any way a disavowal of shared experience, of what is referred to as reality or common sense, but more a fairly simple observation regarding the sight of our knowing. It is a plea for groundedness in our existence as subjective beings in the world. It is artists, singers, painters, writers— who have most inspired me with a sense of the subjective and intersubjective nature of experience, who speak to me of how we cannot help but be ourselves if only we could find the confidence to realize it, and of how we cannot but be influenced by others, those who came before us and those who live alongside us, in ways we can only begin to know. The art I love seems to say this to me. Look at what is going on around you, in all its richness and detail and color, its beauty and its ugliness. Don't stop looking and thinking about what you see, but also don't forget that it is you who are looking, that you have a position and a place from where you look, and so do other people. Inhabit that place fully. This latter invitation, the invitation to inhabit one's perspective, to understand and own it for all its difficulty and its complexity in as mindful a way as possible, seems to me central to the practice of 21st century postmodern psychoanalysis. The point here is that all of us have a perspective, which is not static, of course, but changes and develops and we can choose in the stories we tell ourselves about our lives to be more or less true to it. We cannot simply substitute one perspective for another in the self-determining way you describe, or if we do so, there are considerable costs. I recall a man who suffered childhood trauma, in this case abandonment by a parent, and largely dealt with it by putting the unpalatable experience out of mind. At one level, he knew what had happened to him, having fixed upon a story of his life that included the trauma and was coherent, if limited in depth and scope. But he continued to struggle with the trauma as an emotional experience, in terms of its full impact upon him and the extent to which it had affected him at different stages of his development. The abandonment had been too much for him to deal with as a child, and the way he found of rising above his experience seemed to work, to do the trick, as it were. It was later down the line that he found himself in the grip of the repetition compulsion, unconsciously and repeatedly trying to repair the internal psychic situation, but unable to do so. He looked everywhere for love and validation, but was unable to find what he was looking for, because the feelings of abandonment and neglect from childhood could not be consciously admitted. In short, 
he did not really know what he was looking for. This is not freedom. The freedom to pick a preferred version of one's life from the trees, as it were. But the opposite. The freedom offered by psychoanalysis is the help of a willing and experienced other to explore and develop one's own perspective without inhibition and constraint, as far as such a thing is possible. To me, this feels like a real, if sometimes terrifying, freedom. But there is a paradox, which is that in embracing this freedom, one discovers aspects of one's experience, of one's self, that one cannot escape, much as one would like to.